guys, what's up? It's Rabbit Hole Happy Hour. I mean, it's Mallory. And Ashley. <laughs> How's everybody feeling? Respond, please. We're feeling good. We're feeling great. It's Saturday night, but for you, it's Wednesday. Yeah. Hump day, or maybe any other day, because who knows when you're listening to this. But for us, it's Saturday. Today is Saturday, and it can be Saturday in your heart, too, if you want. Yeah. What's new, Mallory? I've been swimming. Nice. A little bit. Getting your fitness on. Yeah. Oh, I see someone peeing again. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Bro. I thought their family was at Disney World. Uh-oh. Somebody's... I wonder if the teenage son stayed behind and that's like... I don't know. Girlfriend. Oh, my I'm God. I'm just glad I didn't see her, but... Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, in case you didn't catch last episode, um, we sit at my kitchen table and right outside the window, you can see my neighbor's window and they have really poorly designed shades, I guess. Yeah. And it's a bathroom and you can see potty time. You can see things you don't want to see. Oh my God. I don't know what's There's going- two people in there. <gasps> There's two people. <gasps> oh God. Are they going to do it? Okay, this is wrong. Okay, anyways, we're talking about swimming. Yes. <sighs> I'm trying to get fit. <laughs> I need to do that too. Yeah, it's hard and it sucks, my asshole. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I went the other day and scratched my fucking hand on the side of the pool. And then I was mad. And I was mad because some dude came just like every time after his workout and took a dip in the pool just to get all his sweat off, I'm sure. It's called a shower. Dude. Don't they have showers in the locker room? Yes. Plenty. So disgusting. You should report him. I don't, yeah. (gasps) Speaking of reporting. What? Oh my God. So guys, I am on a mom Facebook group for my town. And yesterday a mom made a post that she was at Walmart with her four-year-old daughter and she happened to be in the beauty department is what she called it. Like what? (laughs) Beauty department. And she saw an end cap advertisement and it had a, this is her words, cross-dressing tranny on it. Oh my God. And she was, her four-year-old daughter asked, mommy, do boys wear makeup? And she was like, no, boys are supposed to act like men. This is all stuff she wrote in the post. Oh, my God. And um, she's like, I was so disgusted and infuriated that I wrote a letter to Walmart. She's like, if you want to, if you guys want to join me, this is what I wrote. You can copy and paste it if you want. And it was just like, bitch, do you think Walmart cares? She's like, I was shopping in your beauty department and I just happened to see a perverted transgendered cross-dresser picture of a man wearing makeup and it was across from the children's aisle oh my god how do you how do you plan on correcting this and when i saw that i was like why the hell is this even up on this this group like usually if someone posts something so dumb they'll like just not even approve it oh you know but they approved it but they approved it and the story is the um, admin of the Facebook group is kind of a badass because she didn't approve it at first. And then the mom like was messaging her like, why is my post not showing up? Ugh. And she was just like, God. I don't think you want to post that. And she's just like, no, I need it. I like, I want to post it. And so she's like, all right. Cause she was keeping her from getting yeah. like, like but now, annihilated. Yeah. You. Okay. So 
Be careful our what town, you wish for. We live in the South, and yeah. um, I know Georgia's blue now, but <laughs> it's not always blue. It's No, it's not. But um, I was so proud of our little town. Everyone very um, kindly annihilated this bitch. Oh, really? <laughs> Amazing! <laughs> well, some were not nice, but yeah. yeah, I was just so happy that everyone was just like, the hell is wrong with you? I feel That's so sorry. That's amazing. I'm so yeah. surprised. Yeah. And they left it up and she never responded, but that was probably like the craziest part of my life this week. <laughs> <laughs> I spent my whole night last night reading all the comments like a loser. I would I would read those comments. Well, the craziest part of my week was getting my hand scratched on the side of a pool. So <laughs> We're both living the dream here. Oh my god. What else is new with me? I don't know. It's your birthday soon. Yeah, my birthday. Well, when you're listening to this, well, who knows when you're listening to this, but my birthday was yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Mallory and I, and I guess our significant others. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. They're great. I guess. Um, We're all going to go out to eat. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. Seriously. Yeah, one of my I'm favorite looking restaurants. looking so forward to it. Gonna get some cocktails. And I can't wait to give you your present. My present? Yeah, I can't wait to give it to you. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. Are you kidding me? Oh my god, <laughs> Mallory brought me cupcakes today. Yeah. So maybe during the break we'll do a cupcake cheers. Yeah. Oh, and my allergies have been just like off the charts. I just, I'm, I'm still coughing. Oh my I'm god. I'm still coughing. Well, thank god you don't have to do a story today. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like my favorite people say, Kristen and Brandy from um, Let's Go to Court, one of my favorite podcasts, only hot girls have allergies. (laughs) And if you can breathe normally, you're just pretty. I'm just pretty then. (laughs) Because I don't. You know those TikToks that are like, when you use this filter, if you look natural, you're hot. If you don't, Uh you're just pretty. That's what it reminded me of. So ridiculous. And I always look really weird when I use those filters. Yeah. So I guess I'm just pretty. Should I talk about the drink? Yeah, you should. Okay. So I thought it was going to be a big failure, but I brought it anyway. <laughs> and I think my LaCroix is like gurgling toward oh. the, on the mic, so oh, no. I'm going to move it. Okay. If you heard gurgling, it was not us. It was the LaCroix. Yeah. So it's called a soju bomb, and it's a Korean drink. Um, you'll see why I picked it when I tell you my story, but it's basically, it's very simple. It's half soju, which is a Korean vodka. It's a rice vodka, but it's like way, it's like 20% alcohol. It's not like vodka, vodka, and then half beer. And I tried to find a Korean beer, but I could not find one. But apparently Heineken is very popular in Korea, so I got Heineken. (laughs) Get your hands off my Heine. (laughs) And it's surprisingly good. It kind of tastes like a floral... (laughs) Kind of... Do you taste floral? I do taste floral, yeah. Okay, maybe it's from the soju. It probably... Probably? I don't know, though. But I I like it. I like it. It's excellent. I'm pleasantly surprised. I thought it was going to be doo-doo i was overthinking it and analyze over analyzing everything just like i do with everything in my life well if you ever come to that point you don't have to do something related to the story you can just pick whatever the hell you want that's true but i really like this so good call my brother may be helping us produce meaning that's a fancy word for edit the podcast <laughs> produce <laughs> 
producer Houston. That would be cool. Producer That'd be Houston. awesome. I would love to have some help. Oh my god, me too. It just takes a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I enjoy it, but it does take a lot of time, especially since we record on Saturday and then release on Tuesday night. And it sucks to be like a perfectionist with it because I feel like I have to I have to do it 100% right or else not do it at all. <laughs> that's right. That's how I am too. Yeah. So as you can tell, we are the embodiment of perfection. <laughs> so yes. yeah. Oh, 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 oh. I wanted to give a couple shout outs. Yes. So I would like to give a shout out to our listener from Iran. Her name, yeah. I believe her name is Nazbeg. I don't know if I'm saying that right. That sounds... Get in touch with us and let us know how you pronounce your name. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening and for following us on Instagram and all your nice words. Oh my God, you are so awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, you really, like, we were so excited. We were texting so like, oh my excited. God. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, we're just two ladies just talking on the microphone, you know. Um, and then also, we just got a new listener who joined our Facebook group, Tuesday Boss. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know if that's, is that a real name? Maybe it's just like a... What if that is her real name? That would be like... That would be the dope. bossest name ever. I just said dope. Don't do it. I didn't. Um, <laughs> but anyway, thanks for listening. And I definitely want to check out your your um, suggestion. Mm-hmm. We Sounds weren't. Amazing. We are going to say because maybe we'll cover it because I'm going to definitely buy the book you recommended. Thank you for listening, guys. Yeah. Um, if you haven't reviewed us already, do it. It helps us show up on the charts. Yes, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Spotify, you don't have to write a goddamn thing. You can just. But give I would us love to hear stars. your thoughts. So if you do listen yeah. on Apple Podcasts, please listen. <laughs> leave please leave us a review yes please um and join our facebook group and follow us on instagram twitter please yeah, we want to talk with everybody we enjoy it it's and we want your great joy it does to, give oh my us God, great joy it's like i we don't a have drug. a whole lot of real life friends so <laughs> it's just us <laughs> you know like we also love um any recommendations yeah so shoot them our way bitches thanks Cool, so I just kicked the table. Okay, sweet. So, I am going to tell you the story of Otto Warmbier. And actually, when I um, was thinking about the drink, I was like, oh, is there a beer that's good warm? Because its last name is Warmbier, but I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. (laughs) You make us drink a hot beer. I know. (laughs) Like, Mallory, goddammit. (laughs) All right, so... Otto Warmbier was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, on December 12, 1994. He was the oldest of Cynthia and Fred Warmbier's three children and was raised in the outskirts of Cincinnati, Ohio. He attended Wyoming High School, and he was, like, popular guy, smart. He was voted prom king, Whoa. and he graduated as salutatorian. Everyone said he was friendly and humble, and um, he was just kind of like a well-loved person at school. He ended up enrolling at the University of Virginia, and he was pursuing a double major degree in commerce and economics, and he did a foreign exchange at the London School of Economics. Um, Where's that? London, England. I'm just (laughs) Oh. (laughs) There's other Londons. (laughs) I kill myself. Every time 
I would type his name, I accidentally would type A-U-T-O. Oh my god. I swear to god I could not stop doing it. That's so funny. Um, anyway, <laughs> so his minor was in global sustainability. Otto was Jewish through his mom and was active in Hillel on his college campus. And he was also a member of the Theta Chi fraternity. Is that how you say it? Theta Chi? C-H-I? Maybe Chi? I don't Chi. Know. It might be Chi. Yeah. I wasn't in a sorority or anything. In yeah. Not our vibe. <laughs> no. Sorry if you were. I mean, no offense, but I was the nerd. Being interested in other cultures, he had visited Israel on a birthright trip, as well as Europe, Cuba, and Ecuador. And he was going to go on a study abroad program in Hong Kong in early 2016. But he decided to visit North Korea <laughs> over the New Year period, 2015 going into 2016. Is so, that even possible? It is. He booked a tour of North Korea with Young Pioneer Tours, a China-based budget tour operator whose slogan is, quote, destinations your mother would rather you stayed away from. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Um, I looked it up and they have like tours that go all over the world. Like Chernobyl and stuff? Exactly. Yes. Yes. They go to Chernobyl. Red China and Tibet, Soviet Europe. They have like oh all these Soviet God. themed things. It actually seems That's really fun. Really cool. interesting. Okay, so there's a YouTuber that goes places like that. Oh, and really? He, yeah, it's, I forget his name. Oh my God, it was so good. He would like, he traveled to all the places no one would ever want to travel. Yeah. And it was really interesting. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Brent sent me a video the other day of um, this guy that goes. To kind of like places like that, but it was like some Indonesian death tribe or something like that. I didn't watch it yet, so it seems interesting. So Otto's father, Fred, he said that the Young Pioneer Tours advertised the trip as safe for U.S. citizens. And that Otto was curious about their culture and he wanted to meet the people of North Korea. So, on December 29th, 2015, Otto flew via Beijing to North Korea with his tour group, which included 10 other U.S. citizens for a five-day New Year's tour. (laughs) (laughs) There's a picture of him and some travelers. They have, like, googly eyes on On their their faces. (laughs) And they look like they're having a great time. Yeah. (laughs) The tour group celebrated New Year's Eve in Pyongyang, which is the capital of North Korea. Pyongyang's Kim Il-sung Square before returning to the look people I'm not going to pronounce these things right this is North Korea we're just a couple of Georgia gals I'm sorry so get over it they celebrated New Year's Eve in the Kim Il-sung Square before returning to the Yangak-do International Hotel which is actually Pyongyang's only tourist hotel Um, And then they were just drinking, having fun, partying it up. Apparently, these tours are, like, centered around booze. (laughs) Oh, so soju bombs? Soju bombs, yes. (laughs) I'm sure they had plenty of those. The Yangak-do Hotel is colloquially known as the Alcatraz of Fun. (laughs) Oh, interesting. (laughs) Due to its isolated location on an island in downtown Pyongyang. The 560-foot-tall hotel has five restaurants, a massive pool, a ma- I almost said massage. Can you believe that? A massage parlor. Massage. 
a massage parlor, and a bowling alley. It was basically designed to make its guests feel like they never had to leave. Like um, Vegas. Yeah, like. pretty much. But there was something interesting about the hotel. It was only noticeable from inside the elevator. There was no button for the fifth floor. Hmm. The hotel officials give a simple explanation. It's reserved for staff only. But still, plenty of visitors speculate that the floor held surveillance equipment used to spy on the guests of the hotel. Oh, God. Yeah. Some of Otto's travel group went to the bar, some went to the bowling alley, but Otto ended up going unaccounted for for two hours. While Otto was missing, hotel CCTV footage shows someone trespassing onto the fifth floor of the hotel. The fifth floor, like I said, is supposedly the staff floor, but the hallways are full of propaganda images. Oh my god, yeah. There's like graffiti of like a rifle and I don't know what it says, but... You don't read Korean? No, I don't know. I don't know how to read Korean. I don't either. (laughs) I only know a little bit. Nope. Many of the images are violent and explicitly anti-American. Oh, shit. Yeah. One image caption read, quote, get revenge a thousand hundred times against the Americans. Oh, my God. And the image was of a bomb labeled USA. Not very nice. (laughs) That is not very nice. The CCTV footage showed a grainy image of a tall male figure in a dark hallway. Oh, my God. The ceiling is very low. It is really low. Reminds me of being John Malkovich, where... I never saw that. Oh, man, you need to. In their building, there was, like, a half floor, and everyone had to walk like this. Oh, weird. Like, bending over. But that's what it's like. It was impossible to make out a face, but the figure walked through the halls until he stopped at a long wall of propaganda posters. The man then removed one of the posters from the wall, and it was 1.57 a.m. is when it was time-stamped. Around 4.30 the next morning, Otto's roommate returned to the room and found him asleep in bed. That morning, the group embarked on the last day of activities. They took a helicopter tour over Pyongyang and stopped one last time at Pyongyang's Grand Monument, and the group took a picture there. On January 2nd, 2016, they were getting ready to leave, and they went to the airport. Um, And then Otto was in the security line at the Pyongyang International Airport, He handed over his passport, and suddenly two soldiers appeared behind him, and Otto was led away from the group. Danny Grattan, a British member of Warmbier's tour group, recalls the scenario, quote, No words were spoken. Two guards just came over and simply tapped Otto on the shoulder and led him away. I just said kind of quite nervously, well, that's the last we'll see of you. Oh, no. And he said, Otto didn't resist. He didn't look scared. He just sort of half smiled. So if you don't know anything about North Korea, they have operated since 1955 under an ideology called Juche. Juche means self-reliance. It's been described as an ultranationalist ideology. The goal was to be completely self-sufficient so the country could flourish into a utopia. Kim Il-sung developed the ideology, and instead of trying to bring the country together, he consolidated power and cut North Korea off from the rest of the world entirely. To maintain this isolation and his singular control, he created the national policy called Juche, 
And they put this idea into action through really restrictive policies and sweeping propaganda campaigns. As you saw there, I mean, there's just like all over North Korea is those sort of propaganda posters. Do you know if the people of North Korea are just like kind of just trapped or against it? Yes, absolutely. That's what I thought. Either that or brainwashed by them. Okay. Into believing that this is truly how the world should be. Okay, yeah. So it's maybe like a mix. I think so. All um, all of the resources, production, and communication were government-controlled. The nation cut itself off from foreign trade tur- and basically turned it into an echo chamber where all information supported the North Korean government. So no outside information such as radio, television, or eventually the internet was allowed. Propaganda also portrays the leaders of North Korea as godlike and that North Korea was constantly under attack from a corrupt world. I remember watching a documentary about some doctors that went to North Korea and they, I think they were doing like cataract surgeries, like to remove cataracts from Mm -hmm. people's eyes. And also all over North Korea are the images of Kim Jong-il and Kim Jong-un and they're like worship the photos and they were after they could like see better they would be like thank you dear leader thank you dear leader I think and I then saw that somewhere oh Where really was that it was i don't know i watched it on netflix i think but the doctors were like they're thanking him and i did the surgery yeah. for you like seriously uh, meanwhile the country's economy barely survived without outside support so it was far from self-sufficient um, it was made illegal to speak out against juche So punishments are severe, ranging from, like, food rations all the way up to executions. When Kim Jong-il came into power, he introduced a new set of policies called Songun, which means military first. The country was actually in a famine when he came into power, but... It's crazy. Yeah. But the citizens were made to believe that in order to defend North Korea, most of the nation's resources needed to go to the military. So the starving people of North Korea were basically made to believe that enduring widespread poverty and famine was patriotic. Yeah. Oh, my God. Prison camps filled up with people that dared speak out against Kim Jong-il and his policies. When Kim Jong-il died in 2011, his son Kim Kim Jong-un... Kim Jong-un continued his legacy. He has, like, a little schoolboy collar... Yeah, he's just really creeping me out. He started wearing leather jackets at one point, and then he made it illegal for other people to wear leather jackets. What a dick. Isn't that ridiculous? And his flat top hair. Yeah. (laughs) Under him, developing North Korea's economy into something that was at least moderately functional actually became a key focus. So industries actually started to expand, and for the first time in decades, tourists were allowed into the country. However, being a tourist in North Korea is not like being a tourist anywhere else in the world. Only small groups of tourists are allowed into the country, and once inside, the tour experience is strictly curated by the state. Mm. Exploring the country without an escort is strictly forbidden. There is no leniency for visitors that test That's these so rules. weird. A South Korean tourist who decided to leave her tour group was shot after allegedly wandering into a militarized zone. Oh my god. Shot. Dead. Oh my god. I mean, I'm not surprised. Like, this is the kind of 
image I have in my head of North Korea, but like yeah. just you putting it into words. Yeah, and, like, that's I'm why visualizing I wanted to include it. some of this like background because I feel like people know that yeah, North Korea is bad Korea, but <laughs> but you need like examples to yes to visualize the actual audacity. Yeah, how extreme it is. All right, so that's some background on North Korea. When the group's plane was about to leave the terminal, so Otto had been taken away by soldiers, if you remember. Yep. And um, so the plane was about to leave the terminal, and an official came on board and announced, Otto is very sick and has been taken to the hospital. That's not good. Like, but he that's was weird. fine. And well, then, yeah. and then... Not even, I don't even know how he much time passed. to the entire plane or just as like... Maybe to the tour group. I don't know. But but still, he was fine. Yeah. <laughs> like well, moments obviously before. obviously not sick. Soon the plane took off without him. My God. I know. The Young Pioneers staff claimed that they made numerous attempts to find out what happened to Otto before the flight left. But Otto didn't return on the next flight or the next day. Nobody could get in touch with him. And the North Korean government refused to explain his whereabouts. Nearly three weeks passed with no news of Otto's whereabouts. His family were growing. I, know. I was about to ask, like, his family must be like, yeah. Oh my God. Seriously. Um, especially it being North Korea. Oh my God. So they, yeah, they were growing more frantic and concerned by the day. And then finally the silence broke. North Korean news reports circulated, which said that Otto had been imprisoned after perpetrating a hostile act against the state. The evidence they gave was the grainy CCTV footage from the fifth floor of the Yanggakdo International Hotel. North Korean officials claimed it was proof of Otto's crime, defacing a propaganda poster, which to that I say, BFD. Big fucking deal. It's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> So, in a press conference on February 29th, 2016, Otto, reading from a prepared statement, confessed that he had attempted to steal a propaganda poster from a restricted staff-only area of the fifth floor of the Yangakdo Hotel to take home. The poster said in Korean, quote, Let's arm ourselves strongly with Kim Jong-il's patriotism. I am going to take a second and play you... Otto's public confession. Okay. And then I want you to tell me your impressions afterwards. I entirely beg you, people and government of the DPR Korea, for your forgiveness. Please, I have made the worst mistake of my life. But please, I never should have allowed myself to be a lord by the United States administration. To commit a crime in this country. Isn't that crazy? That's wild. Expl just so people can, because they can't get the visual of what's happening, explain what he was. Okay, so Otto is standing. It's almost like he's in front of a court. There's a, like two huge pictures on the wall of Kim Jong-il and, and Kim Jong-un. Un. <laughs> Thanks for guiding me through You're that. You're welcome. <laughs> 
And he is like, it's super fake crying. And he is like, it hysterics fake. It's super fake. It's super fake. It's absolutely obviously fake. Yeah. And he's, he's got like a tissue and he's like wiping no tears at all. Like there, there's no tears. It's very like, like almost as if he's on a, in a play or something. Yeah. Like very bad acting. Like drama kid. Yes. But. That was very bizarre. Isn't that weird? And, and there were a ton of people taking pictures and like yeah. recording it. Oh. Yeah. So. Super weird. So on March 16th, 2016, Otto was tried and convicted in North Korea's Supreme Court. Oh no. He was charged with subversion under Article 60 of North Korea's criminal code. The court held that he had committed a crime pursuant to the U.S. government's hostile policy towards North Korea in a bid to impair the unity of its people after entering as a tourist. Evidence at his trial, which, by the way, lasted less than one hour, the whole trial. Oh, wow. Yeah. And conviction. Included the confession, CCTV footage, fingerprint evidence, and witness testimony. Efficient. Yeah, very efficient. So while Otto suffered in a North Korean jail, a group of American government officials were already working to bring him home. They knew that it was going to take months of negotiation to bring Otto back to America. Otto's parents were told to brace themselves for a long fight. Oh my god. Can you imagine having your child overseas in a hostile country. No. In jail. What did like what for are the stealing jails? a poster? What are the jails like? Bad. Prison camps like hard labor. He um I don't know if I said this, but he was sentenced to 15 years of hard labor. Oh my god. Yeah. And who knows if they actually would stick to that? You know, they could yeah, they could do, do a new they... law and like mm-hmm. they're so corrupt and they're completely cut off from the rest of the world almost yeah. now. I mean, they're little less, but barely. Oh my god. Okay, so his parents were ur- urged at the time to remain quiet and out of the spotlight so they didn't provoke the situation. Um, due to diplomatic relations between the U.S. and North Korea. There wasn't even a way for officials to directly communicate with any North Korean officials, let alone discuss a specific prisoner. So weeks of countless calls and emails went by, and there was still no word back from North Korea. North Korea essentially was leaving them on red. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Those assholes. Um, There was one at least that they thought at the time, one last option for the warm beers to get their son back. You're going to laugh at this next slide. (laughs) Doesn't he look like an Oompa Loompa? (laughs) Yeah, he looks kind of like a wax figurine. Yeah, this is Bill Richardson, who I think was a former governor of Arizona. A former Oompa Loompa. Yeah, but he's a UN ambassador. Um, Is he a good guy or bad guy? he's He's a good guy. Okay. I think... Overall, in this story, he's a good guy anyway. I don't know about his political views. The first thing I thought, though, was like Donald Trump lookalike. Yeah. With brown hair. Yeah, so many skin flaps. And orange skin. Yeah. Sorry, Bill. 
So Bill had been working for years to set up a type of fringe diplomacy, which is like a discreet line of communication between America and other nations. And they're basically like off the record phone calls and meetings with diplomats who didn't have like formal government backing. Um, Hmm. This communication allowed hostages or prisoners to be freed from hostile nations without attracting the standard media attention. So Richardson had actually already helped liberate multiple Americans from North Korean prisons. That's good. Right. And he had a stable line of communication with North Korea. So um, his main point of contact was with a group called the New York Channel. It was an assortment of North Korean officials at the UN headquarters. They allegedly served as liaisons between Pyongyang and Washington. For the first six months, yes, six months, following Otto's arrest, Richardson clandestinely traveled to New York several times to meet with the channel. They discussed possible terms for Otto's release. After months of stagnation, it felt like things were starting to come together. But around August of 2016, the tone of their discussion, the tone of their discussions changed. The New York Channel abruptly pulled back, saying that they had no real control over Otto's situation. They said they were merely conduits to deliver requests. It was a more vague attitude than Richardson had ever experienced from the group. The channel had been comfortable discussing specifics, but something had changed. Richardson connected the dots. He realized that Kim Jong-un himself had likely cut off communication. There had to be a serious reason to stop all discussions. So Richardson decided that he had to go to Pyongyang himself. First, I want to ask. (laughs) Okay. Was the family, like, paying him or, like, how expensive, like, people actually were donating their time to do this for Otto? I think so, because it turned into a political situation. Mm-hmm. I do not think that they were paying them anything. I think that these people, this is their job to kind of do this kind of stuff anyway. Okay. I could be wrong, but it did not seem like they were being paid to do it. Because I feel like... Besides their regular salary. <laughs> I would assume that if... Just like a a young American guy were to be arrested in North Korea, like no one would give a shit except for the family. And like, that's what I would assume. So the fact that there are people out there that their job is to like negotiate that, like Mm -hmm. that's incredible. I know. And I can't believe it because, you know, when some people go missing, sometimes people don't even care. Right. In the US. Like, so it's kind of blowing my mind that there's a whole... Yeah. I don't know, like, department dedicated to this. And there's, like, secret side yeah. like, groups yeah. that have, like, secret connections. It's crazy. So Because his... the U.S. and North Korea didn't have any formal diplomatic relations right. at all. So his connections kind of started to pull back at a certain point, is what you said? or Yeah, the the um, New York Channel. Mm-hmm. Um, which was the the discreet line of communication. In September 2016, Richardson and his senior advisor, Mickey Bergman, were able to plan a trip to Pyongyang. Bergman was no stranger to this sort of trip, but had a lower profile among the North Korean officials, and that would make him the face of the negotiations. (laughs) 
Oh, I love Downton Alder. <laughs> so what I meant to say was negotiations. After four days of state-mandated tours, so they had to fucking go and tour the country for four days oh, once cool, they got cool, there. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Seriously? After four days of state-mandated tours, Bergman was able to sit down with a higher-ranking government official, finally. He was told immediately that he would not be allowed to see Otto. Bringing him back home was not even up for discussion. Bergman's North Korean contact bluntly ended the conversation by saying, it takes 100 hacks to take down a tree, which meant Kim Jong-un was sending a message that the Americans would have to keep asking so he could keep refusing. It basically made him look powerful to turn down the Americans' pleas. Mm. Richardson knew that this meant it would take more than one trip to Pyongyang before the real negotiations could even begin. And North Korea could afford to wait. So elections were coming up in the U.S. and they knew that whoever was elected could affect diplomatic relations between the U.S. and North Korea. And the plan changed when Donald Trump was elected in 2016. They hoped that Donald Trump would actually go to North Korea and turn this into a media-friendly affair, which it had not been before because everybody was told to keep quiet about it um, and negotiate for Otto to be released. The North Koreans did not agree to this suggestion, but they also didn't say no, which was a good sign. But President-elect Trump was giving them radio silence. So Richardson turned the case over to American Special Representative for North Korean Policy, Joseph Yoon. <laughs> oh, I love him. He's so cute. <laughs> He's just a little, I'm assuming, he, Korean man. He looks like he'd be the best Korean grandfather ever. I feel like he would be like, sit, sit, yes. sit. Come sit, sit. Yes. Let me uh, pour you a drink and we'll talk about checkers. Yeah. <laughs> Checkers. <laughs> Let's talk about I don't checkers. know why. Let's play a game of checkers. No, I In want to talk about checkers. <laughs> so Yoon reestablished contact with Pyongyang via the New York Channel, which they had used previously. Um, by this point, Otto had been in a North Korean prison camp for about a year. Do we know how he's doing? Do we know nope. what's going on? Nope. We, Does Otto have a beard? We don't know. Does Otto have prison tats? <laughs> Does Otto have a drug habit? Like a drug do, habit. Do we know anything about Otto in jail? We we know absolutely nothing at this point. Still, but will we ever? We will. We will. We will know. Okay. Just hang tight. In February 2017, Yoon arranged for North Korean officials to fly directly to the U.S. to discuss Otto's release. Mallory, I just realized he took a poster. Or he tried to take a yeah, poster. Yeah, that's it. Like, all of these dollars, these flights, these... That's like it. He tried to take a poster. Yep. Like, it's actually 100% Like, insane. why do you even care? Just... Seriously. All right, this is enough. It's been a year. Like, let him go. Yeah, Exactly. They don't care. So on February 13th, 2017, North Korea became the subject of worldwide media attention. 
Kim Jong-un had successfully carried out the assassination of his half-brother, Kim Jong-nam, with a chemical nerve agent. So Kim Jong-nam, his half-brother, arrived in Malaysia on February 6, 2017. Um, He was going to a resort island, and about 9 a.m. on the 13th of February, he was attacked by two women. Yeah. Yeah. One woman was Vietnamese, the other one was Indonesian, and they attacked him with a what's called VX nerve agent, mm. and it's a chemical weapon that is banned by the Chemical Weapons Convention of 1993. But they don't give a shit. No. North Korea is obviously suspected of holding a stockpile. <gasps> The Malaysian police said they had alerted an airport receptionist saying that someone had grabbed him from behind and splashed a liquid on his face. And a woman covered his face with a cloth laced with liquid. So Kim was treated at the airport at the Menara Medical Clinic by a nurse and a doctor who later testified that he was sweating in pain and unresponsive. Mm-hmm. And he died while being transferred from the airport to the hospital. So, American media outlets were quick to pick up the story. Their Mm -hmm. coverage condemned Kim Jong-un and the nation's government. Angry and insulted, North Korea retaliated by calling off the upcoming meeting with the U.S. to discuss Otto's release. These petty little bitches. Uh Uh-huh. Someone needs their diapy changed. Seriously, someone needs their diapy changed big time. Lay down on the changing table. Lift your legs up. Let's change your diaper. <laughs> let's wipe your butt. And let's get over it. Let Otto go. Oh my God. That's the perfect take. 100% best take. <laughs> and guess what? Another two months pass without a word. Diaper Otto. rash. Getting your, diaper rash. Your doo doo's piling up in that bitch, man. You got to get it changed. Got to put some desitin on there. Get some desitin, creamy, preemie baby on there. <laughs> I think we're off the rails tonight, which is great. So, Yoon finally convinced both sides to return to negotiations. In April of 2017, Yoon flew to Norway to meet with three North Korean officials and the Swedish ambassador. They reached an agreement to have the Swedish ambassador fly to Pyongyang and meet with four American prisoners, one of which was Otto. Why are the Swedish people involved? Um, They had diplomatic relations with North Korea, I'm pretty sure is the reason, Hmm. whereas the U.S. did not. So the meeting meant that there would be an update on Otto's condition, obviously, because they said that they could meet with him. When the Swedish ambassador arrived in Pyongyang, Kim Jong-un took a step back on the deal. The ambassador only visited with one prisoner, and it was not Otto. Yoon continued to plead with the North Korean officials for a visit with Otto. If he could just see him, see that he was healthy, he could provide some solace to his family, and North Korea continued to refuse. But in June 2017, Yoon received a phone call from the New York Channel, who insisted on meeting right away, and it was about Otto. Yoon rushed to Manhattan. The officials said that Otto had appeared to suffer significant brain damage in prison and was in a hospital. No. Untrue. He was unconscious and completely unresponsive. No. 
And with that, we're going to take a break. And we're back. And we're back. We just had cupcakes. Cupcakes for your birthday. Turn up for your birthday. We posted some sick Instagram stories. Yeah, of me stuffing my face. I look like an actual hog. (laughs) A boar. Worse. (laughs) Okay. So, Yoon rushed to assemble a team of diplomats and doctors to go to North Korea to try to save Otto's life. One of the people he recruited was Dr. Michael Flukiger. He had spent over 30 years in trauma centers as a doctor and spent lots of time working overseas. More importantly, he was the medical director for an air ambulance company called Phoenix Air. He was the ideal candidate for the job since Otto would need medical care in flight. He was also kind of a thrill seeker, so the allure of visiting the isolated nation might have had a certain appeal to him. Flukiger also did not tell his family even like where he was headed. Oh. He said in a documentary. Shady. He was like, I told them I was going to Korea, but not North Korea. (laughs) Wow. But I'm still not convinced that Otto is, is compromised. Well, you'll have to listen to the story to find out. I'm sorry, ma'am. So Phoenix Air prepared one of its best aircrafts for the mission, equipped with all the medical supplies you would find in a sophisticated emergency room. Flukiger then took the jet from Cartersville, Georgia. What? Yeah. They're based, I think, in Cartersville or around there. Oh my god! Wow, that's pretty cool, though. Yeah. Yeah. Not far. He took the jet from Cartersville, Georgia, to Washington, D.C., where Yoon and two other State Department officials boarded the plane. They had to plan their fuel, like, very carefully because there were, like, certain sanctions around sales to Americans and, like, permits that they had to obtain in order to refuel the jet in North Korea, and they didn't have time to, like, obtain all that stuff. Oh, God, I bet. There's, like, all these weird rules. Yeah. So they had to fly, like several different spots to refuel and then they ended up in Japan to make the final leg of the flight. But Yoon wasn't even sure that they would let them land in North Korea. Kim Jong-un was notoriously temperamental and his whims often became official orders. So the plane took off from their stopover in Japan the next day and anxiety built in the cabin and the cockpit Because international flights into North Korea were so rare, there was no controlled route for the plane to travel. Oh, man. So during the final 20 minutes of the flight, Japanese air traffic controllers couldn't do anything but tell them to fly straight. Oh, that's so scary. I know. (laughs) They had no idea if North Korea had air traffic controllers waiting to guide the plane to a safe landing. And... As the plane passed out of Japanese airspace, the voices of the air traffic controllers turned to static. Oh my god, the anxiety. (laughs) That's like flying onto a desert island and not knowing where to land. Yeah, yeah. And then you lose contact with your only guide. I know. Oh my god. (sighs) They were flying through a dead zone. 
Or it was possible that North Korea was intentionally jamming the signal. The static lasted 10 minutes until finally a voice came through the plane's radio. It was North Korean air traffic control speaking in excellent English. They safely guided the jet to a runway in Pyongyang for a safe, uneventful landing. Oh my god. Well, that's... That was unexpected. Exactly. (laughs) Very unexpected. So as Yoon and Dr. Flukiger disembarked the plane, they were greeted by a horde of North Korean soldiers. A horde. A horde. The armed men escorted them off the tarmac and into a bus. The bus took the group just outside of Pyongyang's borders to a more rural location. Oh, no. To a farmhouse. Oh, no, no, no. It was no ordinary farmhouse, though. It's weird, because it was full of marble, massive chandeliers, and an entire staff of servants that was at their beck and call. What the fuck? This sounds like some kind of horror movie. I know. (laughs) It does. For real. They asked to speak with Otto's captors as soon as possible. Unfortunately, once government officials arrived, the conversation quickly turned into a series of, yet again, frustrating negotiations. North Korea's argument was that Otto was guilty. They argued that his condition did not make him above the law. He had been legally tried and convicted of a crime. And North Korean officials informed Yoon that if a North Korean had committed Otto's crime, they likely would have been executed. They claimed Otto had gotten off easy. Why are they so adamant about like keeping this guy for such a yeah. menial crime? What? It seems like a ransom. Exactly. It's It's so dumb. Like, they're going through all these hoops. Like, what are they going to have to do to get this guy back? So, Yoon demanded to see Otto the first day they were there. His fierce tone left little room for North Koreans to say no, because they feared if they did, the Americans would assume that Otto was dead. And North Korea did not want to look like a villain. So, they agreed to let Yoon and Dr. Flukiger see Otto. They were taken to the hospital ICU where Otto was being held. Pyongyang Friendship Hospital. Stupid Friendship name. Hospital? Yeah, not, not friendship at all. When Flukiger saw the pale, motionless body on the gurney, he was unrecognizable. <gasps> with the feeding tube and other medical equipment oh that were keeping him alive. What? His hair had been buzzed down to the skin. His eyes were open and he was reactive to noise and touch, but he was completely unresponsive. What the fuck? What did they do? Suddenly, two North Korean doctors came into the room. They presented brain scans dated April 2016, which was just one month after Otto's trial and conviction. So like a year ago. I mean, not now, but a year from that time. But what? Did he have a stroke or what? The early scans apparently showed signs of brain damage, but they did not provide details as to what had happened to his brain. But one thing was clear. They they hurt him. Yeah. One thing was clear is that it was gravely serious. Despite his state, they claimed Otto had improved since his admission to the hospital. There was a visible scar from a tracheotomy he previously had from a time that he needed a ventilator to be able to breathe. Oh my god. Dr. Flukiger took an hour to inspect Otto's chart and vitals. 
And it was actually clear that the North Korean doctors had done as much as possible to keep Otto alive. And he said that he didn't even have any bed sores or anything like that, like that you'd normally see from somebody that was in a hospital for a year. So he actually came to the conclusion that they had in the hospital taken good care of him. But he held out hope for something that was overlooked, something that would present an opportunity for treatment. It was clear, though, whatever happened to Otto was irreversible. Oh, no! All that remained of Otto was the dilapidated husk of who he once was. Oh, my God! What did they do? Just wait. (laughs) Yoon and Flukiger left the hospital more determined than ever before. They were going to do everything in their power to convince the North Koreans to release Otto. Before the negotiation... they're not going to release an... A person that's incapacitated? No, and like- because he's still a criminal. He still committed a crime. So they're just not going to let him go home to his family to have a proper, like, burial and, like, a... That's their stance. I am disgusted. I, this is infuriating. Before the negotiations could continue... The North Koreans insisted that Dr. Flukiger sign a document stating that Otto had received good care at the hospital. (laughs) Okay. It did truly appear that he had been well cared for in the hospital, but looking around the shoddy hospital room, Flukiger was reluctant to sign the report. The North Korean medical system was, as the whole country is, self-sustaining, so they didn't have the same international standards of care as the rest of the world. Despite knowing Otto would have had much better odds of surviving if he had been treated outside of North Korea, he signed off on the medical report, hoping it would show as a gesture of good faith to help the negotiations. But guess what? Can you guess what happened? The North Koreans continued to stall. Keeping Otto was all Why the would they? What is Is it money? What do they want? Well, it's all like a show of some bizarre nationalistic pride. Like, they they don't want to seem weak. I hate this so much. I hate this so much. I hate it so much. So, in reality, North Korea's public image was in really bad shape. Yoon's patience was wearing thin. Otto did not have time for more delays. He needed to be home in a hospital near his family. It was his last chance for survival. Yoon decided it was time to give an ultimatum. Knowing Kim Jong-un cared a great deal about international relations, Yoon called North Korea's bluff. Yoon's next move would either get Otto home or blow the mission entirely. Yoon calmly told the North Korean officials he was instructing his pilots to get the jet ready. He said he was ready to leave with or without Otto. If North Korea refused, Otto could simply stay in their hospital indefinitely. And this would leave North Korea solely responsible for Otto's dwindling health, and in the worst case scenario, his death. Yoon and Flukiger could prove that they had done all they could to negotiate. The damage to North Korea's global standing would be irreparable once media got hold of the story. Minutes before the jet was set to pick up the American delegation, the officials called Yoon. They informed him that they would release Otto into his custody immediately. Yoon and Flukiger rushed back to the hospital in an ambulance and a motorcade. They prepared Otto to travel and headed back to board the jet. 
The plane took off and North Korea disappeared behind them. Although they had just achieved a victory, Yoon still had to deliver the heartbreaking update to Otto's family. Flukiger talked to the unconscious Otto on the flight back, reassuring him that he was on his way home. In the late hours of June 13th, 2017, Otto Warmbier finally returned to U.S. soil. The plane landed at a small municipal airport outside of Cincinnati so the reunion with his family could be private. But a crowd of reporters and onlookers already gathered around the fence where the jet was landing. The reunion was harrowing. As Otto's dad, Fred, made his way onto the jet, he heard Otto screaming. What? He hardly recognized his son. He was fastened to a stretcher, but was no longer in an unresponsive state as he had been in North Korea. He was having convulsions and screaming at a pitch that sounded inhuman. Oh my god, what? His physicians were unable to explain his body's response. And when I was watching the documentary, um, Dr. Flukiger said that he was called, like they had given him sedatives like 15 minutes before they landed. Oh my God. And once his dad boarded the plane, he started screaming. It's like he knew. He could hear their, he recognized their voices. Oh my God. Poor boy. I know. Otto calmed down within a few minutes. But even though his eyes were open, there was a blankness in them that suggested he wasn't fully there. Fred knelt down to hug his son for the first time in nearly two years. He told Otto how much he loved him, how happy he was to see him. Otto just continued to moan as if he was completely overcome with agony. So by the time the paramedics removed Otto from the plane to the ambulance, he had lapsed back into his vegetative state. The family accompanied him to the Cincinnati Medical Center. There they gathered around Otto's new bed in the pristine ICU. Unfortunately, Otto's condition failed to improve. He remained unresponsive in the days after returning home. Despite rounds of medical examination, no one was able to figure out how exactly Otto had ended up in critical condition. The warm beers theory was that it was a direct result of torture at the hands of North Korean prison guards. North Korea claimed that Otto's condition was a result of a rare form of toxic poison called botulism, and that his condition was made worse by a bad reaction to sleep medication. Okay, shut up. I know, that's all you can say at this point. Neither of these theories actually held up despite countless tests. Besides the injuries to the brain, Otto was perfectly healthy. There were no signs of bodily harm and certainly no signs of botulism. Otto's condition worsened. 48 hours after he landed in the U.S., Otto's fever spiked to 104. The doctors told the warm beers that Otto's brain damage was irreversible. Oh my god, no! He would never recover. Oh my god, oh no! I know. And the fever was likely the beginning of the end. Modern medicine was the only thing keeping him alive. With no other option but keeping Otto on permanent life support, the family made the impossible decision to remove his feeding tube. All right, this picture Mallory has is like devastating. It's really... It's it's Otto in his hospital bed. He has this beautiful quilt. It has his name on it. Someone must have made him. And he looks like he is like 
just not there anymore. Yeah. And it's for a completely what? different image from what we saw. For what? For nothing. For a poster. On June 19th, 2017, 22-year-old Otto Warmbier died. This is so weird to me. I don't know why they decided to do this. I couldn't find out why. But at the request of Otto's family, an autopsy was not performed. Why? I don't know. I can't imagine, like, having to go through any more after that. They're probably just like, I yeah, he's I gone. Mean, like, I mean, we there's nothing that can be done, even if we know what happened, because North Korea did this. Like, what mm-hmm. are they going to do? Yeah. So they probably just wanted to be at peace. Yeah, I believe that. They only did a postmortem external exam. Um, doctors speculated that the cause of death could have been a blood clot, pneumonia, sepsis, or kidney failure. So sleeping pills could have caused Otto to stop breathing if he had botulism and was paralyzed from it. But the University of Cincinnati doctors found no evidence of botulism. But several neurologists said the botulism cannot be ruled out, given the length of time before Otto's return to the U.S., GQ journalist Doug Bach-Clark suggested that Otto might have attempted suicide sometime after his sentencing. I don't think so. I don't think so. I I do not buy that one either. I don't think so either. He had too much to live for. Kim Dong-Chul, a Korean-American businessman who was actually detained in North Korea at the same time as Otto, claims he saw a young American man presumably Otto, quote, almost fainting, being dragged across a hallway by investigators with his head and face soaked with water. Kim suggested Otto may have been a victim of water torture during his interrogation, as he himself had suffered similar treatment during captivity. Seriously, they do waterboarding? Apparently. This, however, is contradicted by the U.S. coroner who examined his body after death, who stated that Otto's body showed no obvious signs of torture, which I don't know how you can make that conclusive determination why if you didn't you torture... do a whole autopsy. You just did an external examination. But you didn't why would do a whole you autopsy. torture somebody who already like had like fully admitted to anything they wanted? I think that those prison camps are just so brutal. They just they're like do it for fun? Like, they're just... Criminals are seen as lower than dirt in North Korea. So, like, a funeral for Otto was held on June 22nd, 2017 at Wyoming High School. More than 25,000 mourners attended. He was buried at Oak Hill Cemetery in Glendale, Ohio. And students tied ribbons on every tree and pole along the three-mile route taken by the funeral procession from the high school to the cemetery. Public reactions to Otto's death were strong. U.S. Senators John McCain and Marco Rubio called it murder. South Korean President Moon Jae-in conveyed his condolences to Otto's family and said, quote, We cannot know for sure that North Korea killed Mr. Warmbier, but I believe it is quite clear that they have a heavy responsibility in the process that led to Mr. Warmbier's death. Amen. <laughs> The media reported on a wide range of other reactions. Some criticized the Obama administration for alleged inaction in Otto's case. 
a claim disputed by Obama spokesman Ned Price. Some found fault with Young Pioneer Tours, which was a travel agency that organized this North Korea trip for its alleged drinking culture and for understating the risks of the travel to North Korea. Literally, the only people to blame are North Korea government for taking him away for nothing and doing whatever the fuck they did to him. There's literally no other place to place the blame. So the tour company, the U.S. administration at the time, no. No. Following Otto's death, Young Pioneer Tours announced that it would no longer accept American citizens on its tours. It also amended its website to emphasize that North Korea has what amounts to extremely strict laissez-majeste laws, which means an offense against the dignity of a reigning sovereign or against a state. Some also question the wisdom of Otto's decision to visit North Korea in the first place. No. (laughs) I know. No. Some said that Otto had disregarded the U.S. State Department's travel advisory, which strongly warns American citizens not to travel to North Korea. Some commentators suggested that Otto had been framed by the North Korean regime for removing the propaganda poster, while others concluded that he was guilty of doing so, and in some cases criticized Otto for violating the law as an American visiting a hostile country. In July 2017, the U.S. government announced that it would ban American tourists from visiting North Korea as of September 1st, 2017, with Otto's detention given as one of the reasons. And on November 20th, 2017, the U.S. Department of State relisted North Korea as a state sponsor of terrorism. President Trump mentioned Otto's case when making this announcement. In February 2019, at the conclusion of the second North Korea-United States summit, Trump announced that he had discussed Otto's treatment with the North Korean leader Kim Jong-un and said, quote, Kim tells me he didn't know about it, and I will take him at his word. Thumbs up. Isn't that great news? President Trump also argued that it would not have been to Kim's advantage to allow Otto to be treated poorly. Following President Trump's comments, Warmbier's parents released a statement saying, quote, We have been respectful during the summit process. Now we must speak out. Good. Kim and his evil regime are responsible for the death of our son Otto. Yep. Kim and his evil regime are responsible for unimaginable cruelty and inhumanity. No excuse or lavish praise can change that. Trump later said that his remarks had been, quote, misinterpreted. Oh. And added, of course I hold North Korea responsible for Otto's mistreatment and death, without mentioning Kim specifically. So in April 2018, Otto's parents sued the North Korean government in the United States Federal District Court in Washington, D.C. How does that even work? I don't even know, man. I don't even want to know. Accusing North Korea of torture and murder. North Korea did not contest the case in court, although the director of the Pyongyang hospital where Otto had been treated issued a press release reaffirming North Korea's denials that Otto had been tortured by the regime. Although the coroner's postmortem examination had found that Otto's teeth were natural and in good repair, two of Otto's private dentists testified that his postmortem dental x-rays indicated that some of his lower teeth were bent backward, 
when compared to his earlier dental records, consistent with some sort of impact. A scar on Otto's foot, previously described by the coroner as, quote, inexplicable, was held up by some expert witnesses as evidence that Otto may have been subjected to torture, such as electric shock by his North Korean jailers. Oh my god. I hate this picture. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'll clear it off soon. On December 24th, 2018, Chief Judge Beryl A. Howell handed down a default judgment ordering North Korea to pay $501 million in damages. A copy of the judgment was couriered by the court to North Korea's foreign ministry in Pyongyang. However, it was returned to the U.S. court that sent it. Like, sent back. VOA News remarked that, quote, it is unlikely North Korea will pay the judgment since there is no mechanism to force it to do so, but that the Warmbier family, quote, may nonetheless be able to recoup damages through a Justice Department administered fund for victims of state-sponsored acts of terrorism and may look to seize other assets held by the country outside of North Korea. So in July 2019, the Warmbier family filed a claim on the North Korean cargo ship called the Wise Honest, cool name, that had been judicially seized in Indonesia by the U.S. government in May 2019 for allegedly transporting and selling North Korean coal in violation of international sanctions. U.S. federal judges ordered that the vessel be sold to compensate the Warmbiers. And also the family of Kim Dong-shik, a Korean-American missionary who was believed to have died in North Korea after being abducted from China in January 2000. Otto's family was awarded $240,000. Oh, cool. It's not quite $500 million. That's the end of my story. I'm at a loss for words. I'm so distraught. Yeah, it was a rough one. So this this was a very young man. 22. Who did almost literally nothing wrong. It's like when you do something... Dumb. Dumb. And you're like, oh, shit. But you don't expect your life to be on the line. Like, say you're chewing gum in class, and then they mm-hmm. took you prisoner and tortured you, made you brain damaged... And then, like, held you hostage and then gave you back to your family and then you die. Yeah. Yeah. What frustrates me is they couldn't find... I really wish that they had some conclusive evidence of torture. Like, and I'm so... I know the family was probably, like, over it at the time, but he really should have had an autopsy. He really should have had an autopsy. I get it, but I don't get it. I mean, like... I can't I would imagine. stop at nothing to find the cause. It's terrible. So um, my sources for this story were a YouTube documentary called What Happened to Otto Warmbier in North Korea and a podcast called Hostage. They did two episodes on Otto. <laughs> I shouldn't say this, but it was... They had a lot of good information, but they didn't... Don't listen to it. <laughs> Okay. And NBCnews.com. Anyways. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you in, like, a couple weeks. Yeah, two weeks. And it'll be Ashley's turn to devastate your lives. my turn. And I already know what I'm talking about. It's going to be good, so... Yay!
Come back and see us. Can't and, wait. Uh, besos. Besos. Y Love sonrisas. you. <laughs> we will see you next time.